Hello everyone, my name is John Williams and I'm the Chief Executive of the Institute of Leadership and Management and I welcome you to our monthly podcast show Leadership at the Edge where we share ideas across the community of leadership practice in every context, everywhere. Each month I'm joined by senior leaders from around the world to discuss their real-life experiences, to challenge some of the outdated leadership practices and to offer a fresh take on the issues that today's leaders face. We invite you to join the conversation via social media using the hashtag leadership at the edge or to send a voice message via the podcast page on anchor with your questions to our guest to register for future podcasts and events visit our website institutelm.com and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast series and leave a review In this episode, we'll be discussing leadership with a sporting theme, and I'm very privileged to have as my guest Ad Davies, Head of Talent and Performance at Gymshark, the very successful British fitness wear brand. Ad has had a career that began and has been built around people development, ranging from sports studies in coaching and development through football management and some time spent in sales for the Referees Association. The particular skills that Ad has deployed include cross-functional team leadership, coaching, and wider talent management. So who better then to talk to us about talent acquisition and people development during a career in a fast-moving commercial arena, but add, add welcome to you, sir. John, thank you very much for having me. I, for one, can think of many better people than myself <laughs> talking about it, but it's an absolute pleasure to be here and sharing some time with you. Excellent. It uh, really is a delight to have you, Ad, because I know that every time we have a conversation, we think, oh, yeah, we should have recorded that to talk about leadership and stuff like this. And I, I suppose one of the maybe one of the first things for us to cover is this this often talked about link between sports development and leadership development. And, and particularly thinking about your background in, in both mm. areas, how much validity do you think there is in, in that? I think there's a lot. And of course, I'm I'm speaking from my own experiences that, that have mainly started in the sporting world and have correlated across to that business environment. And of course, I'll, I'll caveat that with you can't always behave in the same way in both places. But I think that there's some real validity in the sense that the environments that we create, the teams that we build, the individuals that we coach, whether you're in a sporting context or in a business, a commercial context, they should be at the forefront of your mind as a leader, first and foremost. Um, And and there's three of the, I suppose, the key things that I've taken from the grass and from the pitch um, Mm -hmm. and into the, the business setting. Ah, very interesting. Yeah. And, and a couple of things that you, you mentioned there stand out really. One is that, first of all, that word behave, because of course, mm-hmm. leadership is a behavior. It's not just a, as I've said before, on some context, not just a state of grace that we reach and, the, and, yeah. and then we sort of stay there and things. The other thing is this idea of having your, your teams and, and your individuals at the forefront of your mind. Because very often we see leadership as being an arena in which we need to achieve something. But yeah. actually, what you're, what you're talking about is helping other people to achieve something. Is that is that the way that you've always approached it? Yeah, and and I fell into the the traps much like many other leaders before and after me will of of getting into tick box exercises and uh-huh. thinking leadership is being. Uh, an autocratic dictatorial relationship that we have with a group of people, but in sport, Mm. you can't do that. 
you, you can't have that yeah. tick box. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you are creating an environment. You are trying to engineer a philosophy and get people back in, in the right direction or in the same direction, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. Um, and, and that's why there's a huge emphasis on, on putting people or a person first mm-hmm. um, and trying to understand how you can coach and support them. Do, do you think part of that is because of this idea of in sport in particular, and I know you as, as a sports person, as well as a, as a, as a coach and things, um, it's not possible to coach somebody and then deliver for them. Yeah. They have yeah. to do that. And, and of course, in, in, in a business context, often we think we give them instructions so they do what, what I say, and that's mm. sort of me delivering for them by proxy. Do you think yeah. that that makes a big difference, that, that dichotomy? Massively. And, and over the years, I've questioned sometimes when I think I've nailed something down with an explanation or uh, mm. a session that's been created, why hasn't that gone the way I thought it yeah. was? Usually, and now I realize it's yeah. because I hadn't explained it properly or, mm. or I hadn't asked enough questions. Um, And that's the the beautiful thing about it and why it's so pertinent and important for leadership is you you aren't truly in control um, of of the coaching environment that you create and the results that come out of the back of it. But if you you can put that lens on it of having a look in at, does this work? Is that Mm -hmm. working? What isn't working for me? Then, yeah, you you tend to be able to, to see where you're starting to get some positive results. Yeah, the, and and what you say there elicits this idea of this feedback loop between mm. the the team or the individual and and mm. the leadership figure, whoever that might be, um, yeah. so that it, it's almost iterative. Okay, this here's a suggestion. We might agree to do it like this. You do it like that. You feedback how it goes, and so on. Um, that certainly seems to work from a sporting context, the way that coaches and athletes work. Uh, yeah. Will it, does it work the same way? Do you think in a, in a commercial context? Yeah, I think it can. When you when you realise that, again, you're not truly in control of the outcome, uh, and the the important part of the leadership relationship and that feedback cycle, if you like, is the better that you get in the understanding of what we're looking to achieve, mm-hmm. the things that we need to do in order to achieve it, the less important you become as a leader, yeah. and, and and your role starts to become can I maintain this? Can I keep mm-hmm. people on the straight and narrow and allow them to, to obviously become fledgling with what it is they're doing? Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's been one in the same in my experience for the most mm-hmm. part. That's very interesting because that's actually giving control rather than yeah. taking control or keeping it, giving the team control, but particularly at the, at the front end. And I, and I think, um, Interesting, because because as I said before, you are a sports person yourself anyway, not just a, a supporter of sport or a coach of sport. Um, mm-hmm. Are there times when the lessons that we learn in sport are not applicable in the organisational context? Yeah, yeah, and I'm laughing because <laughs> it's the first thing I said. Sometimes the way we behave, I know mm-hmm. that uh, stood on the the sideline as the manager of a non-league football team, the manner in which I behave sometimes, I can never <laughs> transfer to the office environment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's because sometimes I put too much strong emphasis on trying to win, um, oh, which I, right. I, I can be aware of at this point. Um, so I, I think that's not applicable in the sense that if we do get tied into that trap in a commercial environment mm-hmm. where we're just trying to drive the number, we're just trying to win all the time and we're forgetting about the environments that we create for people and how we can grow and develop them as leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Th- there's no direct correlation there between those two. Mm-hmm. 
what would be deemed as leadership behaviours. That's really interesting, actually, that, isn't it? Because this this idea, we hear loads, see loads and loads of, you know, business books, be, be the best, becoming the best, you know, and, and everything's got to be better than good, excellent is only good enough, and all yeah. of that sort of stuff. That all yeah. seems to be wrapped around winning as yeah. if all of life was actually a competition, whereas actually you know, collaborate, collaboration between organisations as well as individuals can can get results. So we, you don't think then necessarily we should focus only on winning in an organisational context? No, no, I don't, because we we lose that learning agility as mm-hmm. leaders, whereby uh, if you just even look now, macroeconomic climate or yeah. a, a pandemic gets thrown into the mix, and you've got to be able to quite quickly pivot and shift and create a different environment for the people that are working with you. Yeah. Um, if, if we just put so much emphasis on outcomes all of the mm-hmm. time uh, mm-hmm. and we were not afforded the chance to take a step back and say, hang on a minute, what is it that we're doing here that might be or might not be working for us? Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, it, we'll become quite stagnant and I, I can imagine it, it would not be quite a nice place to work for the most part yeah um, I, uh, absolutely and, and the the um the mention of business agility is quite a, a, an important one of course because it's a very yeah. uh, topical subject uh, uh, worldwide at the moment and things mm. um just thinking about your career that and the and keeping agility in mind your career shows quite a lot of signs of a planned journey because it has a sporting theme was that deliberate um, no, and while I've never ever quoted Buzz Lightyear on a podcast from uh, Toy Story, I- I'm deeming it now falling with style. <laughs> um, because none of it, no, no, none of this was planned. I, I always knew that I wanted to work in football, like mm. most young men my age. Um, yep. Not to stereotype, of course, but still, mm. everyone either says I want to be a professional footballer, yeah. which I realised I wasn't going to be good enough or tall enough or any of those things. Um, so then I wanted to work in in professional football and was yeah. able to do so. Um, and I was 22 at the time and working at Leicester City and was pushing for quite a senior role. Um, and when I didn't get that role, my world came tumbling down and it was a bit right. of a reality check, much like right. it was for most young footballers. Um, mm within academies and professional football environments and at that point it just piqued my interest I wonder if this stuff that I'm doing on the grass I'm wondering if the fact that I'm creating sessions or trying to create an environment and get people bought into something I wonder if that works over here in a business context Mm -hmm. and of course there was some drivers in regards to livelihood and the amount Mm -hmm. of time I was spending out of the house that meant you know, you have your conversations with the people around you. Are you going to get a proper job um, <laughs> yes. at some point? And, and that, it did pique my interest of can I transfer some of this, some of these behaviours, some of these techniques and skills into a into a business environment. Ah, right, excellent, and uh, very interesting because the the um, not, nevertheless planned or not. Mm. There's a coming back to this idea of agility. There's a, a sort of logical linearity to it, with hindsight, if you like. I've you know yeah. I've discovered I could do this. I could try it over there and see if it works as well as or better than. Yeah, and that's that's because I've managed to maintain that agility, that learning agility of mm-hmm. all right. I'll test and learn this there and see if it works, or see uh-huh. if I can pick up see if I can pick up anything else from a different environment. And and of course, if I went back into the the professional football world now i'd be learning lessons from commercial business yes and and, and 
that is is why direct correlators of behavior or correlations mm-hmm. of behavior mm-hmm. from grass to office I tend yep. to steer clear from and say, be careful of those because those two things aren't one in the same. But what we can learn from each environment absolutely mm. is applicable in both. Very interesting. And I love that phrase, learning agility. It's something that we don't hear very often, and <clears throat> not least because I think most people don't think that one needs to be agile in the way that one learns. One's agile mm. in one's behavior. But actually, yeah. of course, the openness to different forms of learning and the application of it is what gives us a learning agility. Uh, interesting, that that idea of um, pushing for a senior role. One of the things I wanted to chat about, because this is relevant both in, in commerce and in sport, is something you and I have touched on before, which is imposter syndrome. Yeah. This idea that that actually I, I'm either I don't know what I'm doing or I'm not really supposed to be at this sort of level and stuff like that, uh, which affects all manner of people actually. Yeah. Have, have you seen some of that as a feature amongst the people that you've helped to develop in your career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think we all, albeit, John, I must say, I, I try and steer clear of the term because I do believe mm-hmm. it's limiting beliefs. And, and by deeming right. it as a syndrome, it, it becomes mm-hmm. something that we attach ourselves to as such. Yep. Yes, absolutely. I have. I've seen it, especially in the football context where mm. we're asking individuals that are bought into a sporting environment or brought into a football team in my experience because mm-hmm. of their individual ability. Yep. You're then asking them to form part of something bigger than themselves. Right. Yes. In which they might have to yeah. sacrifice a little bit of that skill. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then of course yep. it's the, Oh, can I do this? Or this isn't what I've done before, or I'm not sure that this is working for me. Mm. And that's actually that person just working through those limiting beliefs of this is now a different environment in which I've got to apply what's got yep. me to the dance. Yes. Yep. Yep. Exactly the same. Exactly mm-hmm. the same in that commercial environment. And speaking from my own experience, whereby mm-hmm. with title and with teams and with leadership responsibility and accountability, mm-hmm. you're thinking, "Am I doing anything for these <laughs> people? <laughs> yes. you know, I, is 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 creating an environment and removing barriers and making it easier for people to do what they've been brought in to do. Mm-hmm. Is that ticking a box at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Is that satisfying a KPI or an OKR or any of this stuff? Is it mm-hmm. because I'm starting to feel like I've not got anything to show for what I'm doing? Yes. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah I've, I've, I've seen that in both contexts, especially <clears throat> in those two examples. It, it, that's really, really interesting. I used to work in stockbroking for a while. At the end of every day, I could say to myself, what have you done today, John? Okay, well, mm-hmm. I've bought some of those, I've sold some of those, and it made some money yeah. or it didn't. It, it's, real, it's really clear and unequivocal. You're right, when we're dealing with people, particularly mm-hmm. it, people doing things that take longer than a day to materialize, yeah. actually measuring or evaluating our, our input is, is quite challenging. I like that, um, that rejection of of the term imposter syndrome actually and the idea that that the the term itself limits self-belief because i think that's quite important comes back to what you said before about learning agility Mm. you know we think of ourselves as well i'm open to learning new stuff so actually it doesn't matter how i feel right now i'm open to learning some some new stuff um we've you mentioned the idea of creating an environment we we continue to forget i think often that the effectiveness of leadership is so often dependent on the context in which we're we're behaving if you like how much do you think that the organizational environment has has impacted or actually differing organizational environments have impacted on your ability to be effective as a leader yeah that's a great question and actually 
I've learned more from a commercial, from the commercial environment in Gymshark especially, mm-hmm. than I have from the sporting context in this because it is so results driven in sport. Right. Mm-hmm. I owe a huge amount to working in an environment and and within context whereby I'm afforded the opportunity to get it wrong. Oh, great. I'm, yeah. a, I'm afforded yeah. the opportunity to make mistakes. I'm afforded the opportunity to be authentic and mm-hmm. to, to share my ideas, even if sometimes they're not going to work. And that has enabled me to show up every day in a manner in which I'm comfortable doing. And, right. I, and I know, obviously, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. The lessons that we've learned in sport from that is make it okay for people to get it wrong. Yep. Because you can't win every single game, even something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, try to create an environment where people can be comfortable to do what's gotten to the dance and to share their yeah. skill and yep. to be authentic, authentic in the manner in which they play. Because mm-hmm. now I'm appealing to your better nature. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. appealing yep. to what makes you comfortable. And, and mm-hmm. so often and, and in leadership, we talk about a comfort zone being a bit of a, a scary thing or a taboo mm-hmm. word as such. Yeah. Actually, a comfort zone sometimes is where you do your best work. Yeah, actually, that's a very interesting concept. Really is because we talk a lot about the uh, psychologically the, the the level of stress necessary to perform at our best and stuff like this, which which sort of a bit like the the um, imposter syndrome. It creates a um, an image of well, you've got to be a bit stressed in order to do good work, which yeah. is outside your comfort zone. And actually, what you're saying is that's not necessarily always the case. Actually, no, no. Sometimes you've got to be okay to accept that if when I'm at my most comfortable in terms of my environment, the people mm-hmm. that I'm with, wherever I am, yep. sometimes that's where I'm at my best. Now, yeah. with my learning agility, yep. with, mm-hmm. with being able to try new things and being able to make mistakes, that's where I start stretching that a little bit more. And is, right. my, is, right. is the environment right and has been created in order for me to be able to do that? Yep. So actually, you might get the best out of me when I'm most at one with myself for the most that, part, if that makes interesting. sense. Interesting. Yeah, it does. And, and I think, what's it, some psychologists call it locus of control, that, that mm. area of our lives over which we have, we feel comfortable that we've got control. And I guess yeah. if we start with a comfort zone and then are given permission to wander outside it without punishment, then actually we, we grow our locus of control as a result of that. That's a, a tremendous approach to leadership development in other people, actually, that giving them permission to get stuff wrong um yeah. i must admit that that's it's not a um i can understand why that would not be the case in sport because so much rides upon a, a tangible result as it, it does it does but at the same time john there's no and i make no secret the times in which uh, and especially the the chap i work with ross mm. in in management in sport mm. the times we've had our best results are when we've made that stuff okay when we haven't right, got wrapped right. up into the day-to-day mm-hmm. of management, when we haven't started trying to tick boxes or just have something to show for, for what we perceive to have done, the mm-hmm. times in which we've created environments where people can authentically show up and say, right, I can be myself, I can play mm-hmm. in the manner in which I want to, that correlates directly with winning the league. That correlates <laughs> directly with yes. winning more games. Mm-hmm. And the times yeah. in which we've got wrapped up or... I'm getting involved with referee or yeah. screaming and shouting onto the pitch <laughs> tends to be the time we lose games as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cause that, that creates a tension that, that works yeah, against if, efficient flow and all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. And, exactly. And I, right. 
I guess to a degree, the same can be true in in commerce and in business, where if we create a culture in the organization, which feels like there's somebody behind us all the time with a stopwatch or, or a checklist yeah. or whatever it is, and, and marking us out of 10 for our performance on that day, that's yeah. a tremendous pressure for, for people to carry. Um, and do, do, have you ever worked anywhere that felt like that? Um, you know what? I've been fortunate enough to, to work for leaders and in places that no, they're not, they're not so much that's like that. Great. And I think that's where I've yeah. got a lot of, of grounding for my values and beliefs where mm-hmm. leadership's concerned. Um, but speaking frankly, John, I wouldn't work in an environment like that right? right. because I'd become yeah. terrible to work with. <laughs> and I, and I, I'd like to think that I'm hopefully at this point self-aware enough to know that if I did have to work in an environment where I was just ticking boxes and just you know, finishing mm. off at the end of the day, I'd be a poor employee for somebody. Right. Yeah, I, I, I do enjoy that flex and ability to be able mm. to be a little bit more loose with the ideas and the manner in which we, manner in which I like to work. So no, yeah. f- fortunately, I haven't. I've played for football teams and I've played in sport oh. teams. That I like it. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, because they're, they're, they've got immediate results that they're looking for and they're very visible and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 It's quite interesting also, actually, to think that your point about, well, I, I wouldn't work in a place like that because mm-hmm. I, I've had a number of positions where actually I've walked away from the position yeah. because actually it wasn't the culture that allowed me to be me and stuff like yeah. this. And I think it's, it's enormous. I find it enormously important to to let other people know, people who work for me or who who are with me or who have done, that actually if they ever find themselves in that situation, then it's okay for them to walk as well. And, and it's, you know, it, it, it's really, really important for people to give themselves permission to be themselves, I think. A thousand percent. Couldn't agree uh, more. At the... Um, uh, we're sort of approaching the top tips point, the inevitable <laughs> top tip question here. Um and I'm sure that you've got loads of top tips, actually. So what what would be uh, some advice that you would give for somebody wanting to understand the critical issues that are involved in, in coaching and talent development for their team or for an individual? Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I love this kind of stuff. I think <laughs> the first one is take a look inward. First of all, okay. start with self. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, what role model behavior are you showcasing mm-hmm. and that's first and foremost because and i think we've we've definitely had this conversation before mm-hmm. your own behavior is truly the only thing you can control yep and that has yep. massive effect on the environment and the people around you mm-hmm. so first and foremost of a three-step process start with self take a look yep. inward what are you role modeling and, and that might go some way to start helping you understand the difficulty that your team's having or the issues right. that you yep. might be having as a team. Yeah. Number two would be, what environment are you creating? Mm-hmm. And the surefire way of finding out is, how are the people behaving? And then yeah. asking. Right. Asking yes. what environment we're creating. So mm-hmm. I, I work in both the commercial sense and in the sporting context. I'm fortunate enough now that we've built such an agreement between us that people will just call me out on my rubbish. <laughs> yeah. And if and if and if I'm going against what we've agreed, mm-hmm. what we is what we want to be, people will just tell me. Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. So what so what environment are you creating as a coach and a leader in order mm-hmm. for your people or your team to work in? 
the the last thing i suppose is are you asking oh. are you asking what the issues are mm-hmm. are you asking people how they're perceiving the environment to be are you in that dialogue because so often as leaders we can get into our own minds of i wonder why this issue is happening i wonder why this person is yeah. behaving in this way yeah. i wonder why this isn't going for us well are you asking mm. and and have you got that coaching relationship whereby you can quite openly say you know what this is what i thought we were going to get and this is what we're getting and i just really i want to understand your take on this mm. and all that for speaks back to and i know we referenced the feedback like all that speaks mm-hmm. back to that environment that's being created mm-hmm. now people are feeling safe to come forward uh, uh that's absolutely excellent i can't think of a better blueprint for creating a culture f- for uh, and i won't use the word performance i'll, I'll use the word fulfillment yeah. for for a team and performance is a sort of side effect of that fulfillment that's brilliant start with self look at the environment you're creating and ask yourself are you asking are you asking enough yeah that's absolutely tremendous thank you so much we and we know this we could talk for hours about this and we will again i'm quite sure of it we will but for the moment though for the moment though that's it thank you so much my special thanks to ad davis head of talent and performance at gymshark for joining us today and thank you also to our audience for joining us today um and for listening please do join the conversation via social media using the hashtag leadership at the edge and for more of podcasts and the and events and lots of other stuff visit our website www.institutelm.com subscribe to the podcast series and mention us to your colleagues thank you everyone for listening